onset of starlight from flashbangs and frag grenades by Calchaxis read by Sam Gabriel based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 14 Measure Twice Zon was not a place that suffered visitors lightly. It was almost painfully obvious to the natives of the city when someone not born to the fishers was in their midst, and there was a subtlety to living in Zon that was lost on most people, a kind of furtive wariness developed by necessity. So much in Zon was a product of necessity. Most inhabitants of the city could tell simply by the way a person moved whether or not they were native. Most had an almost practiced stoop, as if they were constantly at the ready to flinch and scurry away. Others moved like the figure who stalked through Billowa that evening. His footsteps were heavy on the plated streets of the district, and there was a palpable menace to him that he carried along with an almost callous disregard for those around him. Those types of people were the most dangerous in all of Zaun. They were the ones who had survived the worst and deadliest of the city's dangers, and now fear was a distant thing to them. They remained aware, but only in the most predatory sense. One does not compare the wariness of a wolf to that of a hare, after all. Where he walked, the people of Bilawa scattered. They could not see his face, shrouded as it was by the heavy cowl of his long, acid-scored cloak. They did not need to. Danger bled from him as it did from all truly dangerous people. The strong did not need to speak of their strength. His staff clicked in metronome taps as he walked with purpose deeper and deeper into the township. He never paused but for a moment beneath the shadow of the statue that had been built over the regulator. Their patron protector, their baron, Jinx. If any had been close enough, they might have heard a soft chuckle. In that unlikely instance, they probably would have found the sound unnerving almost as if it had been produced by something not wholly alive. He was not here for a statue, though. He was here for the woman it was carved in the likeness of. So he passed it and made his way towards that homestead. There were lights in the windows, and shadows moved to and fro within. And the closer he got to the home, the warier the eyes upon him became, the more dangerous they became. Jinx may have been their protector, but they were equally as protective of her. So he made no violent move, no need to piss off the locals. He was not here to start a fight. He approached the door, reached out, and politely knocked a couple of times, then settled back to wait. The eyes were still on him, but that was fine. The door opened after a moment and revealed a young woman who could not have looked more out of place in a city like Zaun. Her eyes were bright and blue while her hair fell in twin sheets of gold, framing a face that spoke of an excellent pedigree, all graceful patrician lines and high cheekbones. And when she smiled, it was with a mouth full of pearly white teeth, without a single metal stub to be seen, a certain bit of proof that one had not been born in Zaun, good dentition. And she did smile as she opened the door wider and stepped outside to greet him with open arms. Victor, Lux said as she set her hands on his shoulders. Thank you for coming. I know it's difficult for you to travel outside of the Grey. Less difficult lately, Victor replied wryly. 
his accent colored by a mechanical burr. Come in, Lux said, stepping back and ushering the fugitive scientist inside. She turned and swept her eyes across the other homes, silently telling everyone to mind their own business before closing the door. Victor swept his hood back and looked around. This is not what I expected. What did you expect? Lux asked with a small laugh as she held out a hand for his cloak. Victor shrugged the cloak off and passed it to her before saying, More gruesome trophies and fewer doilies, I think. Beneath that sturdy garment was nothing like the man he had once been. Most of his body was covered in matte metal plates bound together by cables of living steel. His body thrummed with the power of his hexcore, the purest amalgamation of flesh, magic, and machine. That core rested, hidden, within his staff, its energies waiting to be called upon to bring life to the lifeless. But he did not bother trying to fool himself. He understood that, to the uninitiated and the layperson, what he was and what he offered might seem like a horror. That was why he wore his cloak and why he hid his face. His mask was often more bearable than his face, with the metal-threaded veins crisscrossing his skin and the burning machine eyes that peered out from black sclera. Of course, Lux didn't bat an eyelash at his face. He might have appeared monstrous to many, but Lux? Lux was a monster beyond compare. I don't have that many doilies, Lux muttered as she hung his cloak up. You are in zone, Miss Kramgard, Victor said flatly. One doily is too many doilies. You try living with a woman who just puts her things wherever she likes, regardless of whether or not the surface was made for them, and then talk to me about whether you have enough doilies, Lux replied testily. Victor shrugged as he plucked at one of them. I'm just surprised they survive whatever Jinx puts on them. What is this made of? Asbestos. Ah. Victor dropped it. Tell me, how did the meeting go in the depths? Can we count on their support? Lux laughed quietly as she stepped into the sitting room, gesturing for him to follow. The sitting room was clearly Jinx's domain more than Lux's, there were half-scrapped projects scattered across every surface, bits and bobs of scavenged metal stacked in odd little pyramidal piles that probably meant something to their mad maker, and the walls were covered in blueprints that had been tacked up with whatever was nearby, including, in one notable instance, an entire screwdriver. They're in, yes, Lux said as she cleared away the seat of an easy chair before offering it to him and taking the couch seat across from it for herself. Glaska's also promised me Seraphine's marker, and I trust her to that extent. She knows what's at stake. Victor released his staff as he sat down, and it stayed eerily upright as he made himself comfortable. What of the wild cards of Zon? Urgot, Mundo. Lux shook her head. Urgot is still imprisoned after his attack on the Entresol, and not worth breaking out. I thought about trying to trick Mundo out of his, but... She shrugged and relaxed back into her seat. So long as everything else goes off, it won't matter if those two retain their marks. Speaking of which... Nodding, Victor reached into a compartment built into his chest and drew out not one but two marks. His own and... Blitzcrank gave his up, Lux asked as she took both marks. He did not have a choice, Victor replied casually. Lux frowned. You didn't hurt him, did you? 
I happen to like him. He's sweet. He's fine, Victor said dismissively. I may no longer control him, but I still created him. Besides, his mind is growing more complicated, but he is still much like a child. I didn't realize you were that good with kids, Lux said with a small laugh. You would be surprised, Victor admitted softly, and Lux raised an eyebrow. But we are getting off track. You requested my presence, but refused to say why. And I do not expose myself to Piltover's hunters idly. Have I wasted my time coming here? No, you haven't, she said. Reaching into her tunic, she drew out a small bag of reclaimed leather, the sort that could be found anywhere in Zon. From the way it sagged, Victor could tell it contained something, and his analytics extrapolated and then narrowed down the possibilities before Lux could even open it. From the way it hung, he measured out its approximate weight and size, and there was only one possible option. Lux pulled it open and tapped out another champion marker, then passed it over to Victor, who took it and looked it over. To whom did this one belong? he asked. I thought we had accounted for all of the reachable champions. We did, Lux said. I didn't collect that one as it was brought to me by one of the people here. They said they found it. Found it? Victor lowered the mark and raised an eyebrow. Where? Jana's altar. It had been a very long time since something had penetrated the cold calculus of Victor's mind, but that put a chill down his metallic spine. And he looked up at Lux with narrowed incredulity. You're serious? He asked flatly. That is what the people say, and they're not given to lying, Lux said, before amending with, not to me at least. But that's one of the reasons I asked you here. You're the only one I trust to be able to say if it's truly authentic or just an exceptionally clever facsimile. Victor nodded as he held out a hand and called his staff to himself. The dull hum of the hex core took on a sharper cadence as he brought the marker close to it. The runes flashed and twisted, forming new patterns as they spun about, and in their sequences Victor read the truth. It's authentic, he said quietly as he passed the marker back. It did indeed belong to her. Lux took it and ran her finger over the runic engravings on its surface pensively. Victor didn't blame her. It was one thing to plan such a thing as they were planning. It was something entirely different to have some semblance of divine patronage. Then again, perhaps it was simply Jana taking the majority side of her children. Perhaps that was all she ever did. Either way, the presence of that marker managed to change both nothing and everything all at the same time. Do you think me selfish, Victor? Lux asked after a moment of silence. Terribly so, Victor replied. You're placing your own personal desires for both freedom and for jinx above the safety of the world. With this act, the League's authority will fracture, probably fatally so, although it will be a death slow in coming, I think. It will die all the same, though, and with it, the dream of preventing another rune war. Lux nodded silently, then said, When Zahn exits the League, it will start a cascade failure. Others will leave soon after, don't you think? I do. 
How do you imagine it will happen? Victor dismissed his staff back to its softly humming orbit around his seat as he mulled over the question of how. It was academic, but then so was he. It was an interesting thought experiment, at least, and he gave it due consideration before saying, Bilgewater will leave next. I think Sarah never needed the League's approval. Not like her tyrant predecessor. I agree, Lux said. I think Ionia will be after that. Not the Freljord? Victor asked conversationally. Hmm, maybe. But the Freljord is the only faction more divided than Zahn, Lux said. Queen Ash is doing her best, but even given her union to Trindamir, the clans are still divided and she needs every scrap of legitimacy she can get. I think the Freljord, for all its wild culture, will follow suit with Demacia and Noxus. So Bilgewater, then Ionia, then Piltover, you think? Victor asked. Almost certainly. And after that it was no question. The League, missing so many smaller constituent nations, would fail to present any kind of unified front. Within a year, Victor imagined the talks would begin with Noxus and Demacia regarding their old rivals, and whether or not the League was a suitable place for their grudges anymore. Certainly, the moment one of those two nations left, the other would immediately do so, and that would be that. The League would be just one more failed attempt at peace. You realize that, without the League's mitigating influence, another great war is almost inevitable, Victor said. I know, Lux said. And you don't care? Should I? Victor shrugged, then said, From any ethical or moral standpoint, yes, of course you should, but... Ethics? Lux echoed. Morals? Demacia ensured that I wasn't saddled with either of those things when they were forging me into their magical pet murderer. She rolled the abandoned champion marker casually over her knuckles like a gambler's coin rather than a goddess's token. My mother and father gave me to the Radiant when I was six years old so that they could break my mind and rebuild me into a weapon. And people wonder why I prefer machines, Victor said quietly. But if you are nothing but a weapon, then why? Why bother? Because for the first time, I finally want something for myself, Lux said. I want Jinx. And only Jinx. I love her. And if keeping her means plunging this world into the horrors of another rune war, then so be it. The marker came to a stop between her finger and thumb, and she dropped it back into the little leather sack from whence it came before tucking the drawstrings closed. She tucked the bag away, sighed, then said, But that marker isn't the only reason I asked you to come here. I suspected, but did not want to assume, Victor said with a polite smile. This came for me in the post. Lux reached beneath a pile of Jinx's detritus and drew out a folded missive of rich, cream stationery. The wax seal on it was broken, but not so much that Victor could not recognize the seal of the Radiant. I've been recalled to Demacia sooner than I expected. I suspect my mother pulled a lot of strings to make that happen. The same mother that abandoned you to the Radiant. My mother is a complicated woman. Lux said quietly. 
She gave me up because of my talent, hoping to get me back in time. But the thing that returned home after almost a decade of the institutional torture that they called training wasn't a daughter. It was a tool. She's been trying to claw me back from the Radiant ever since. You think she feels guilty? I don't give a damn what she thinks, Lux said. But either way, I'm being called back, and I can't delay. I'll tell Jinx tonight, but in the meantime, I need two things from you. Name them, Victor said. A tracker, so Jinx can find me in case the Radiant discovered my pilfering of the supply cache and imprisoned me, Lux said. Easily done, Victor said. I can make it now from this... He gestured to the mess around them. Scrap pile? But the Jinx could have done that. Why me? Jinx could, you're right. But it needs to be sophisticated. Small enough to evade any notice, and strong enough to penetrate a quarter mile of petrocyte, Lux said. Fair. What was the second thing? Lux stood up and left the room for a moment. When she came back, she was carrying a small vial that contained a tiny quantity of dust, along with a few tiny fragments of something like stone. And Victor knew in an instant, even as she held it out. He could feel the cool numbness radiating from it like a sickness. This is the last of the petrocyte I gave Jinx, Lux said. I gathered, Victor said, shying away from it. What do you want me to do with it? Lux sighed, then said, I want you to find a way to neutralize it. Neutralize petrocyte, Victor echoed flatly. Look, Sana, that's... that's madness. If I succeed at that, then your nation would... there would be an uprising or worse. I know, Lux said. But I'm about to betray them for Zahn. And when I do, they'll throw their backing behind Piltover out of both policy and peak. So we need a threat to keep them at bay. And if that's not enough... Then we at least need a way to combat this mineral before they start providing it to Piltover for military use. For the second time that night, Victor knew a shiver of fear. Piltover, for all of its corruption, was still the home of hundreds of geniuses. Even were it not, the concept of Piltoven snipers firing anti-magic rounds or enforcers equipped with petrocyte edge blades was enough to chill him down to his metal heart. But blades and bullets were the least of his worries. What terrible engines could Piltover construct from a limitless supply of petrocyte? For now, Zahn and Piltover were almost even. Both had access to Hextech, and although Piltover's factories and facilities produced far more sophisticated products, Zahn remained in the race by dint of its proprietary chemtech, which Piltover did not have the raw materials to duplicate or experiment with on any meaningful scale. That delicate balance would immediately shift in Piltover's favor the moment they could negate the manufactured magic of Zahn's own hextack. It would be a slaughter. Victor took the vial. I can promise nothing, he said. But I will give it uh, the old university try, as they say. It's our best and maybe only hope, Lux said. It was the first time Victor had ever been so close to Petrocyte. 
It was a substance that he had read about extensively, but never imagined he would actually be able to work with. Demacia was notoriously protective of its rare national resource. There was quite literally no limit to the amount of blood that they would be willing to spill to ensure its secrets were kept, and now it was here in his hands. He hated it. From the instant he touched the vial, he hated the substance within. And more curious was the fact that he was certain the substance hated him as well. Just holding it seemed to interfere with the impulses controlling his fingers, and that was mere proximity to a frankly small amount of the substance. To think those monsters actually fed this to mages. It was barbaric. Victor, before you go, I wanted to thank you, Lux said suddenly. And he lowered the vial and looked up at her. For what? For fixing Jinx, Lux said. And for helping her with Billowar, and don't pretend you didn't. I know she asked you for advice on rigging the manifolds. Victor made a quiet grunt of assent, then said, I was happy to help. She's brilliant. So much so that I fear that word does not quite do her justice. I don't disagree, but what do you mean exactly? Lux asked. For all our differences, Jace Talis was and remains a brilliant engineer. And I flattered myself to say that I am one of the most brilliant scientists in Piltover and Zong combined. A bit self-aggrandizing, but probably not wrong, Lux said with a small laugh. But Victor shook his head. You miss my point, he said. I say that only as context, so you understand what I mean when I say that if Jinx had been given the same opportunities that we had, I think she would have been beyond mere brilliance. I think she would have been making Jace and I look like idiot children by the time she was fifteen. Victor leaned back in his chair, tucked the vial of petrocyte away, and steepled his fingers. Jinx was robbed, and as a scientist it is staggering to consider what we lost in failing her. It was not the first time that Victor had had such thoughts. Jinx had always been a kind of oddity to him until he had started working with her. First it had been a curiosity, then almost an obsession to see how her mind worked. When he had learned all those years ago about how some little Zonite sump snipe had somehow managed to reverse-engineer Hextech into a weapon, he had been floored. A fluke, he had thought. Surely it had been a fluke. Then he had met Jinx. He had worked on her and with her. He had spoken to her and found that underneath her madness there was such a mind. A diamond in the rough, fractured by stress, but still a diamond for all of that. She could look at a piece of technology and instinctively understand how it came together and would, in turn, come apart. She understood things like chemical stresses and sublimation not just in theory, but in the most eminently practical sense. Hextech was a toy to her, a building block, a stepping stone. Victor had always been a creature of vision, where Jinx might have been given the opportunity to explore the breadth of her genius was one that made him weep. It was a world that would never come. Her mind was broken beyond repair, and yet, despite that, it was still such a mind that Victor could not truthfully say he knew of its equal. Heimerdinger in his prime, perhaps, perhaps, 
What a catastrophic loss. The past is the past, Lux said after a long moment. She's getting better, but honestly, I don't give a damn if the only thing that she ever decides to build from now on are toasters. Because I love her, Victor. And so long as she's happy, that's all that matters. And the moment that changes, I'll kill whatever changed it. And then keep killing until she's happy again. You are quite mad, you know that? Victor said calmly. So I've been told. Victor made another quiet noise in the back of his throat that was oddly distorted by his mechanical burr, then stood up and said, I will make you that tracker now, and then I should go. Thank you, Lux said, standing with him. For everything. In truth, there had never been any other choice. It wasn't that he was doing Lux's bidding out of fear. Well, he certainly feared her, but that wasn't what motivated him. It was a need to know where this grand experiment in madness would end. The scientist in him could see it like the workings of a great clock, each cog turning as a cause, creating an effect. But what would the final turn of that last gear produce? That was what he wanted to know. What he needed to know. But there was no need to explain all of that, so instead, Victor simply smiled and said, You are very welcome. Miss Kramgard. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character, get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.